You're listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can find us online at covenantchurch.us. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. This message is from our series, The War Room, where we are learning that while spiritual warfare is real and aggressive, Scripture gives us the tools to overpower our enemy. And now, here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Covenant. You guys doing well? Doing well this morning? Good. We are in the final week of our series that we've entitled The War Room. We extended it. So this is The War Room Extended. This is the last week, week six. And I got to say, um, I was excited about this series on one hand, but then not on the other hand, because it's uh, not the most fun thing, to be honest with you, to be studying about demons for like ever, right? Um, but one of the best things about studying about the demonic kingdom and demons is seeing the victory that, no, number one, Jesus Christ has over that kingdom, amen, and that we as followers of Jesus Christ equally share over this demonic kingdom. And so I'm excited about that, and I can celebrate that for sure, but I can also celebrate the fact that next week we are beginning a new series. So um, today we are doing something a little bit different um, and I would encourage you, just as we, we heard Seth uh, mention earlier, if you have your phones or if you carry a laptop computer with you, um, which please do that sometime, uh, that'd be awesome. Anyway, if you do that, um, yeah, make sure and tweet at us, um, to seek and save. That's what you want to tweet at. And make sure and use the hashtag, the war room. And we're going to be live tweeting some questions. I'm going to try and answer some questions on the fly here as much as I can get to. Um, we also had a lot of questions come in just in this, this arena anyway, uh, the supernatural, the unseen world, spiritual battle. And so today we decided we're going to take the entire teaching team, um, teaching team, teaching time rather, and I'm just going to be focusing on questions that, that you've posed. These are questions you've asked. Um, we didn't ask any of these questions. These are questions that were literally sent to us anonymously. Um, and never done this before, but because we had so many of, of them come in, we're going to take the time to do that today. Normally I'd be preaching through a passage of Scripture. Um, but today's going to be a little bit different. There will be Scripture, obviously. Uh, and hopefully if some of you tweet in, we can get to those questions. All right, so our first question that was sent in anonymously, we're going to get right to this. Are you guys ready? Are you ready for this? You got to hang with me. Okay, here we go. Um, the first question is this. I'll throw that question up on the screen. It is this. How many types of the unseen are there? How many types of the unseen are there? Example being ghosts, demons, angels, etc. Um, okay, so let's jump in. This is a good question. If I were to answer this question from a cultural standpoint, right, we would probably be here for a long time. In fact, I googled different types of paranormal or unseen beings. I googled that, and literally there was page after page after page after page of um, alphabetically categorized beings, right? Um, strange ones, right, that I'd never even like heard of. Uh, but some of the more popular, I would say, unseen beings culturally that people would believe in would obviously be ghosts, angels, and demons. And then you get into other things like, uh, I don't know, poltergeists. Um, let's see, animal spirit guides. Slender Man, is that what would be that one, right? The Watchers. Bloody Mary, remember Bloody Mary? Yeah, that freaked me out. Don't, don't do that. Um, shadow people, uh, goblins, ghouls, gin. Um, not in the drink, gin as in <laughs> demons, and of course, Bruce Willis from The Sixth Sense. But anyway, those would be some of the classically understood 
unseen beings. And uh, yeah. Uh, now, for our sake and you know of our time and our context today, I'm just going to focus on one of these. And I and I really want to focus on one of these because it answers the question to them all. Okay. How many types of the unseen are there? I'm going to just say this, and I'm going to explain it. Here's the answer. One. Now, unless we're um, including God, God the Father, that would, uh, of course, he would be separate from that. But in terms of what you're talking about today, one. And you say, well, what about, I thought there were angels and demons. Yes, but um, if you remember last week, we talked about demons are nothing more than angels who were kicked out of heaven. They're fallen angels. So angels, right? Um, they're evil, to be sure. But, but angels, you say, well, hold on, what about ghosts? Well, let me give a brief definition of what ghosts are. Now, this comes, this comes i gotta, I got to forewarn you here, okay? This comes from a, um, an expert paranormal website. So this is quoted by a paranormal expert. This is, this is his, um, yeah, this is the definition of a ghost. Ghosts are the energy of a person or animal's soul that once lived. Ghosts exist in between our dimension and the next, like a radio signal that isn't quite coming in clear on our dimensional frequency. I love that word, dimensional frequency. <clears throat> they have not fully crossed over to the spirit realm. There are multiple reasons why ghosts make themselves known to us, and how they interact with the living is usually determined by what personality characteristics they had when they were alive. So, what are we to make of this? I mean, there's a clear, a clear definition from a paranormal expert on what a ghost is. And of course, we can't discount people's experiences. Many people, maybe, maybe even many of you, have, have had an experience that you struggle to find some type of um, explanation to apart from it was a ghost, right? Uh, and what do you make of all these TV shows where they literally go to the scariest places in the world? Have you seen these shows, right? It's like, you know, Clint and his crew of four dangerous, daring guys, they got all their camo gear on and went to the middle of this island to an abandoned asylum where everyone died in 1922. Let's see if anything strange happens, right? It's like, all right, you're kind of asking for it there. And then they run around in the dark with cameras, like chanting people's names. That would be a scary night, okay? But what about all those experiences where they're filming and they hear like weird noises and it sounds like somebody's saying a name or a baby crying or, or things move like a ball rolls across the floor and grown men start, grown men start weeping. You know what I mean? What do you do with those experiences? Well, you can't discount them. You can't discount them. Um, but when it comes to ghosts or ghouls or poltergeists or whatever you want to call it, Scripture is very clear. It's, it's not a gray area. Scripture is very clear. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you're not in your body, you're with the Lord. Very clear. And, and look at this scripture in Hebrews chapter 9. Let's see if we can put this on the screen. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 27, it says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So here's the timeline. Here's the trajectory of, of a human's life. Okay, Because we tend to think in life as in like we're born, we die, and that's it. But when God talks about life... He's also including eternity, okay? So yes, we're born, we die, but then we live forever. And regardless of your view on Jesus Christ, you will live forever. It's just where you're going to live forever. Because when you die, scripturally speaking, one of two things happens. When you die, you either A, if you're a Christ follower, you go to heaven. Number one, you go to heaven. That's where you go, immediately. Or if you... Do not follow Jesus if you don't believe the teachings of Jesus, you don't call yourself a Christian, whatever it might be, and you die without that saving knowledge of Christ. When you die, you will go into an eternity of separation from God. And listen, that's not a wandering limbo, okay? 
That doesn't mean you're kept on earth like wandering separate. No, Scripture calls it a place very specific. It's called hell. Jesus mentions hell often, um, and, and we'll talk about that more a little bit later. But the whole, the whole idea is that when you die, you go somewhere. It's not that just you die and then you wake up without a body and you're like, oh man, I can't even talk to anybody. This is really awful. It's like float around, catching up on old episodes of Seinfeld, you know, and you know what I'm saying? For some of you, that sounds like heaven. I don't know, but like, that's not what it's like. Scripture is very clear. So, so here's the question. If, if we can't, okay, if when we die, we go somewhere, what are people experiencing? We know people go somewhere. Look at the rich man and Lazarus. Look at, look at the thief on the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross, surrounded by two thieves. One thief says to Jesus, hey, man, if you're really God, if you're really the Messiah, why don't you get us off this cross? Which, by the way, we demonize that guy. That's a fair question. That's a fair question. Hey, you're God, huh? Okay. Why don't you get us off this cross here? Right? But then what does the other thief say? And this is important. The other thief looks at him and says, do you not know who you're talking to? This is, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. And notice, what does Jesus say to him? He looks at him and he says, so you've said, surely today I will see you in paradise. He doesn't say, surely sometime when you finish up your business here on earth, then I'll see you in paradise. Right? When you right your wrongs here on earth and settle your debt with your creditors because they contact you even after death, right? Then... I'll see you in paradise. No, Jesus says, today I will see you. Indicating that the moment the soul is gone from the body, you are somewhere else. Heaven or hell. So what do you make with this? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple, to be honest with you. Um, you can't discredit these experiences. You can't discredit what people have seen, what they've heard, what they've felt, what they've sensed. Things they've captured with um, video cameras and whatnot. Things moving, right? Um, when it comes to this, I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't believe in ghosts, and Scripture doesn't portray ghosts. What it portrays is a demonic kingdom that likes to manipulate humans. And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold on. You're saying that ghosts are demons? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, what about all these TV shows? What about the ghost whisperer? What about the ghost whisperer, Travis? What about, what about the ghost catchers? They go and catch ghosts and go look at ghosts. And catch, what I'm telling you, those aren't ghosts. That's demonic. Those are demons. That's what I'm saying. You say, well, oh, hold on. Well, this, so they can take some weird shape. Scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews, it says, be nice to stranger, strangers. You could be entertaining angels unaware. Right now, in this very presence, I, I get accused of being an angel a lot. I'm not. I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. I'm not. I am human. Right? No, Scripture is very clear that, that angels can look like people, take on human traits. There's a lot of Scripture talking about that. Well, if that's the truth and demons are angels, they could do the exact same thing. See what I'm saying? And not only that, but we also know that demons can physically harm people. We just read last week in the book of Acts about the sons of Sceva. Remember those guys? Not believers, not followers of Jesus Christ, but using Jesus Christ's name over somebody. And the demon says, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? And then he jumps up and beats the guy half to death, leaves him running out the door bloody and naked, it says. So I'm, I'm just letting you know, these aren't ghosts. This is demonic. This is very real. This is a real power and a very scary thing. should change the way you uh, view going on a ghost hunt next time. Next question. Next, are psychics real? 
Can they really tell me the future and help me talk to my deceased loved ones? There's two questions there. We'll see if we can answer at least one of them. This is a great question. Scripture has a lot to say about this as well. Go over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse, in verse 10. I'm loving some of these questions we're getting. It's great. Uh, verse 10, 1810 says this. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. That should just kind of be common understanding, but you can see the kind of people that we're dealing with here in, in Scripture at this time period. Anyone who practices divination, practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a char- charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Pretty cut and dry there, right? <laughs> So, in terms of scripture, where does that stand? Uh, when, you know, in terms of scripture and psychics, what is that? Scripture saying that that is an abomination, that it is sin, it is wrong. In fact, Isaiah forty four six says this: Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of Hosts: I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. Let him proclaim it. Look at this right here. Let him declare it and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people. And read this with me. Read this next part with me. Let them declare what is to and what will. What is to come and what will happen. What is God saying here? He's like, hey, I am God. There's no one like me. I know the future. No one else does. You think you do? Fine. Come hang out. Let me know what's happening tomorrow. Right? Tell me. Tell me the outcome of the game. Tell me the outcome of your life. Tell me what's going to happen next week. You can't do that. I do that. I'm God. So if God is clearly stating in scripture that we're not to um, interact with or be a psychic or a medium or check these people out, that that's an abomination. And then God equally says, I'm the only one who knows the future because I've been there because I made it. I know the beginning and the end. I made them both. I've been around. I'm outside of time then maybe that's something we shouldn't be around either. Um, Now, this brings up another good point. You say, okay, that makes sense. But how do they know so much stuff? Like, how does a psychic know things a psychic shouldn't know about me? How does a psychic know things about people who who have passed away in my family that they shouldn't know? They know things about them that, that no one ever told them. How do they know that? And furthermore, how is it that they say that they talk to my dead relatives? Good question. Good question. Well, number one, we have to understand that you cannot talk to dead loved ones. This is a question that came in from a live tweet. You cannot connect with, with, with you, cannot, you can connect with living individuals. You cannot connect with dead relatives because they are in one of two places. Heaven, they're a follower of Christ. If not, they are in hell. Okay, that's it. That's what Bible. That's what that the Bible paints that. Scripture says that. So it's not like your neighbor or your your relative, rather, in hell, can like say, "Hold on a second, guys. I got a call. I got a my my son's trying to talk talk to me real quick. I'll be yeah. I'll be torture. I'll be right back. Right? And go. And it's not like in heaven, like, "Hey, Jesus, hold on. We're worshiping you. Hold on. Someone needs to talk to me down here. That's that's not what happens. You can't contact them. And yet we see psychics saying things that they shouldn't know. Once again, let me ask you, come on, where is this coming from? Where is this information coming from? Now, I can't discredit the fact that some psychics are actually 
talking with someone or something. It's just the someone or something that I'm concerned with. They're not talking with a dead relative. Who are they speaking with? A demonic power. And you say, well, hold on, hold on a second. What the person told me was very comforting. I asked about my uncle Joe, who had passed away years ago, and you know, he wasn't really a nice guy, but, but then I, when, I, when I sought to connect with him, I went to a, a psychic, and they told me that, that Uncle Joe is doing really well, and he feels all warm and happy, and, and things are very good. Well, you can't, you can't look at that without asking, where's the strategy? Because demons and Satan, their, their goal is to separate you from God. And you're like, well, yeah, but I walked away, I walked away feeling good. That's good. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us this. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants, demons, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Get this point. Even if you walk away feeling comforted, who is it that comforted you? Is that comfort from God? No. And what's the strategy then? You know your Uncle Joe wasn't a believer. You know that he's not in heaven. And yet you have somebody telling you that they talked to him and he's doing just fine. It begins to put doubt in your mind of whether Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven. It begins to draw you away from seeking comfort from, from God. Scripture says it like this. It talks about the Holy Spirit. Jesus mentions this. It says the Holy Spirit will come. It's an advantage for, for, for the Holy Spirit to come. John 14, 26. It says this. The helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and bring you remembrance of all that I have said to you. That word right there, that word helper, that's the Greek word parakletos. That actually means comfort. One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to comfort you. And if you're not being comforted by the Holy Spirit, but rather you're being comforted by, the, by a psychic who's letting you know that your dead relative is resting peacefully, and that's not real comfort, you're going to begin this, the separation from God. Do you see that? It's a strategy. So who are they talking to? They're talking to demons. And maybe the biggest fool, maybe the one who has fooled the most in this whole transaction is the psychic themselves. And that's scary, and it's sad, but it happens. It's sinister, and it's evil. I do believe that some psychics outright know that they're, they're talking with demons, 100%. Scary stuff. Just don't call the hotline. Next. Can you talk to dead relatives? I feel like I already covered that. Um, but I would say this, Isaiah eight nineteen. this is a good verse. It says it like this. When people say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Yeah, I like this right here. Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? God's basically saying, like, why would you go and inquire, ask a question of a dead person when you can just talk to me? I'm alive and I'm God. Why would you ask the dead questions that the living can answer? Good question, right? Um, next. I'm trying to burn through these. I want to get to these. What is the other side like? Great question. And we also had a, a question come in here um, from, let's see, I just saw it. Here we go. Yeah, this comes to us from at Mr. Carmichael 7. What does heaven look like physically? What does heaven look like physically? That's a good question. And we don't have time to answer that in, you know, in completely today. But I also had another question that came in that says, what's the other side look like? So let's define both of those. 
Because culturally, when, when you talk with someone, you're like, what's the other side like? What is it on the other side? And people are like, well, it's a bright light, and I just don't know beyond that. It's just, it's a bright light. You go towards the light. And by the way, there's a lot of contexts and situations in your life where going towards the light is not a good idea, right? Like if you're on a railroad track, and it's the you know, middle of the night, it's pitch black. It's someone's like, oh, it's just go towards the light. You're like, there's a light. Just go towards it, man. Like, why do we think in eternity, just go towards the light? Well, because it's not darkness. Oh, okay. I don't know. But the idea of what the other side is like, oftentimes, culturally, we think of it as like this Tim Burton movie, you know? It's like very dark, very gray. You know, there might be some weird claymation people. I don't know. It's, it's, very, it's very colorless and very mute, right? Very, very soft, very quiet, a little creepy. Um, Limbo. It's in between here and there, right? This, this dimension. Okay, so just, I just want to state this. Scripturally, that place doesn't exist. Like, scripturally, that place is not there. There's nowhere in between here and there. There's just here and there, okay? You're either here or you're there or you're there. That's, that's about it. That, that's it. Um, so there is no, what does the other side look like? There is no other side. Now, if you want to talk about heaven... Revelation chapter 21 is a great place to, to start. Scripture very much in great detail talks about heaven. It talks about the streets of gold. It talks about a physical place. It talks about where there will be no more night, where Jesus will wipe away the tears from your eyes. There'll be no more death, no more pain, no more sickness. It talks about it as being a place of songs that we've never heard and, and, and things we've never seen where the, where the gates... Oh, get this. This is cool. I got to take... This is awesome. Okay, so you know what we build stuff with? I mean, Columbus, like Construction Central, right? You know we build things with like dirt and mortar. And then when we're done with them, we crack it up, break it up, and throw it away. I mean, this is basically like a renewable resource to some degree. It's just, it's just if we could build stuff with just a bunch of junk, we would. We try to build stuff with the cheapest material possible, right? Because really, what's, I mean, let's, let's be honest. What are you going to do with it? You're just going to drive on it. You're just going to walk on it. You're just going to punch holes and write on it. You know what I'm saying? So that's, what is heaven made of? What are the streets in heaven made of? What's the construction of heaven? It talks about that the streets are laid with pure gold. Why? Why? Because our real treasure is God the Father. And that stuff is worthless in comparison to the treasure we have in Jesus. Yeah, the walls are built with every fine and beautiful stone and diamonds and pearls and the, the roads are gold, but it's the stuff that you use to build stuff in heaven. You get that? Now, hell in comparison, scripture does talk about hell. Jesus mentions it, and there's been definitely a resurgence in what is hell like? Are there, is it fiery? Are there flames? And, and here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to put that over here on the back burner. That was a Christian joke. Um, and then I'm going to move over here, and I'm going to say that I don't know exactly what hell specifically looks like. I don't know. I, I have my own theological beliefs. I do believe that Scripture is pretty clear on that. But I'm going to say this. Apart from any of what it actually looks like, here's what I know about hell. And here's why hell is hell. Because it's separation from God. That in and of itself is hell enough. You say, well, that doesn't really sound too bad. That just sounds like no one bugging me to go to church. No, listen. Right now, you as an, as an unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever, listen, you are still under what's called common grace. You still receive the benefits of Jesus on this earth without ever following Jesus. Let me explain that. You can still experience love, mercy, hope, forgiveness, grace, 
okay, on this earth. You feel loved. You can feel love. You can tell some. You can feel hopeful, right? The only reason you experience that is because scripturally it's called, theologically it's called common grace. But here's the thing. Remove God from the scenario and there is no more love. And that's what you're doing when you enter into an eternity without God. God's presence is not there. It's removed. It's gone. It's separation. So that means you will not feel any hope. You will not feel any love. You will not feel any mercy. You will not feel any grace. You will not know any truth or feel any truth. You will be alone in the dark. And think of the worst day you've ever had. At least you're alive. At least you know it could get better. At least you know there were people around you. Remove all that, and that is hell. Apart from torment, apart from anything else for eternity. That's what the other side's like. Next. Are witches and spells and stuff real? <laughs> I like that question. Are riches and spells and stuff real? All right. I'm just going to do this really briefly. All I can say is that there are seriously evil people out there messing with seriously evil powers, but there are no such things as, like, wizards, okay? I know maybe you've gone to Comic-Con. You have a different view of that, okay? I'm not talking about those guys, all right? I'm talking about somebody who actually believes that there is magic in his fingertips. That's not real. The humans do not inherently possess, um, you know, Chris Angel magic powers. I'm sorry, you just don't, okay? And, and if there is some kind of thing like that, what you have to understand is that that is energized by a demonic spirit. That there is an unseen world. Well, I saw a guy pick up a ball once across the room with his eyes. I just pointed, I just moved. Number one, that was probably uh, an optical illusion. And if not, you probably should have left because there's demons up in there. All right. <laughs> Let's get to some of these questions. I'm going to jump over here. Come with me. I'm going to sit down here so I can get a better picture of our live stream here. One of the questions that was asked, um, and we're going to see if we can put it up on the screen here. <laughs> there we go. Let's go. Let's see. Let's see which one we have. We have a couple minutes left, don't we? Yeah, we got a couple minutes. Um, did other? Okay, this comes to us from at Dacua Inc. All right. Did God create other worlds encompassing humans and animals with similar desires to go to heaven and hell? Good question. Um, next question from an at. Well, I won't. I won't read the ats. I'll just read the question. Um, if we can't discount people's experiences, how do we make sense of alien encounters, abductions, sightings, etc.? Good question. That's a second alien type question. Let's see if we have any more alien questions here. Um, this one comes to us from, yep, okay, here we go. Blizzcano85. Riddle me this. Thank you for that. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Aliens? If they don't exist, so be it. If they do, does this disprove God or change theology? All right, so let's talk about aliens. Let's just talk about it. Um, so, you know, it depends on who you ask what type of answer you're going to get. Agreed? Uh, I was uh, at home the other day, and it was late at night, and I turned on TV, and I was watching. I was looking for, like, a, like a lion hunt or something. Those usually put me to sleep pretty well. <laughs> something on TV, something about predators. And what I came across was a show called Ancient Aliens. And uh, first off, there was a dude on there with the craziest hair I've ever seen, just sticking up, just wiggling his head, right, Kramer. And, um, and yeah, they were, they were making the claim that Jesus was an alien, that Jesus was an actual alien, that he was sent, and, 
and he came, and that's why he could help heal people, and he could do these things, and, and that scripture is filled with alien accounts. But here, here's the real question. Do aliens exist? And if they do, does that, does that disprove scripture? Does that disprove the Bible? Um, and I would say no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. If, if tomorrow, all of a sudden, there was an alien spaceship that showed up, and and there were aliens for you know for real. That doesn't discredit scripture whatsoever. Those those individuals would still need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I know this is a weird subject to talk about, but apparently it's important because all of you all wrote questions about it, right? Um, it's a big question, um, and I also would call dibs on planting the first campus on Jupiter. I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? Covenant Church Jupiter. All right. Um, this is important, but here, here's, kind of, here's kind of my take on it. We, we first off have to have what I would call a, a scriptural and biblical worldview. We all build our own worldviews, and a lot of times they're built off of our experiences and our culture, and that is not a good way to build a worldview. We have to have a worldview that is rooted in truth, and that comes from scripture. What do we know about scripture? What do we know about God? Well, we know God is omnipotent, omniscient omnipresent. We know that God is the creator. So follow this line of reasoning. Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth, creates everything that there is, right? We see that. We also see that God, in the book of Genesis, tells us that when he creates the earth, tells us this later in the New Testament, says that the earth is unique in its design. God goes on a few days later to create man and woman, and it says that they are created in the image of God. These are important people. They're created in the image of of God. He also creates a bunch of animals, not created in the image of God, just created, most of which to be eaten. But that's a different subject for why vegetarian is uh, satanic. All right, anyway, that's just, that's just a whole other question. question. Um, so then a, couple, a little while after they're created, they're tempted by sin, and they fail, and they're kicked out of the garden. Now, at this point, this is an important point in human history and in world history because the fall of mankind happens. And when this fall happens, sin enters into the world, but not just into the world. Scripture tells us like this. It's not just men and women that are affected by sin. It's also animals too. It's also plants. It's also our planet. Scripture talks about that sin entered into the world. In fact, the language there is sin entered into the cosmos. Everything is affected by the fall of man. Everything is affected by sin because men sinned. Man sinned. Adam sinned. And because of this, God has to put in place um, a rescue mission for, for us. This is why Jesus Christ had to come and die for us, be risen again. This is why in the book of Revelation 21 and 22, it talks about Jesus Christ coming back. And it's not that we're like, yeah, he's back, right? But also, it, it actually says that Jesus restores all things to himself. What does that mean? Quite literally, that means that Scripture is saying that Jesus is going to set things back to how they were originally created to be. He's going to heal all things. He's going to set them new. Now, what does this have to do with aliens? A couple things, okay? If when humans sinned, all of creation was then you know, counted as sinful, right? That would have affected aliens on another planet as well. They're in the cosmos, correct? 
they would have been affected by the fall of mankind as well. And it's, it's very outside, from a scriptural point of view, that would be kind of a first. It's very much outside the character of God to judge an entire different race of people who have not sinned, right, on the sin of man. That, that's very strange, like holding them accountable. Well, I know you never sinned, but someone over here did, so we've got to hold you. And you, you didn't have a sin nature because I created you not have a sin nature, but now that they did, I'm gonna, you're have a, you have a sin nature too now. Sorry, right? Scripture also indicates that in Hebrews 7, um, 9, and 10, that Jesus Christ came, he died, and he only died once. Once. So if Jesus Christ died once, what about people there? How have they ever heard the good news about the gospel? Like, we better get on that. We better send space missionaries. You see what I'm saying? So what we're saying then, scripturally, is that there's a group of people who did not sin because Scripture doesn't talk about them sinning. It talks about us sinning. So they're created with a nature where they're not sinning, right? Yet they're held accountable for sin. And yet if they're, they're held accountable for sin, but there's no way for them to get out of, of, you know, to be forgiven because they can't know Christ. That kind of creates a paradox, doesn't it? Why does, does God normally function in that way? No. But we can't discredit experiences. Great, great tweet there. You can't. These experiences are true. A lot of them, some are fabricated, fabricated to be sure. Some are indulged in, to be sure. But, but some of them, I believe, are genuine experiences. Someone who, who comes to, in the middle of the night or you see or something, something like that. But, but what have we learned, church? It's, it's all the same thing. Do you get that? Are you getting that? We have an unseen enemy, and it's all the same thing. What, so scripturally, most likely, what, what are these alien encounters to be? Well, if we're to believe that there's no ghosts and that there's demons that try to manipulate a people in an attempt to pull them away from God, I would, I would believe that these are satanic encounters. These are demons. And once again, you're like, well, hold on. They look like aliens. Oh, okay. Well, we already read that, that angels can look like human beings. Hebrews talks about that. You could be entertaining angels unaware. So why couldn't you be entertaining an alien? I also think it's interesting, too, that if you read many of these accounts, many of them, when someone says the name of Jesus or begins to pray, these, these extraterrestrials disappear. Now, why? Why? Have you ever been out in public with a bunch of people and started to pray or said the name of Jesus? Did people just run away? Does that happen to you? Right? No. So why would it be the case there? In fact, if they were studying our culture, they would have to, some of them would have to be kind of religious. And so you're, if, if you're freaked out and you say, Jesus, Jesus, it would be plausible to think in that one of these many scenarios, one of the, the aliens would say, hold up, man. Are you talking about Jesus? Yeah, I'm a Christian too. What church you go to, dude? Right? Like that would be weird, but you would think that something like that could happen. No. The reason this is, is because it's a demonic presence. 100%. Things you see. Scripture talks about Satan being the prince of the air. Interesting. Um, but if, yeah, aliens did show up next week and abduct somebody or whatever, I, I don't really know, um, you know, abduct somebody, and we found out it's like a legitimately real thing, it doesn't discredit Scripture because all of humanity, all of nature, all of creation, the cosmos has been thrown into 
um, this fallen state so they would need redeemed as well. Make sense with me? I think we've got time for uh, no more. We'll, we'll do one more. We'll do one more. Can we do one more? You guys okay with that? All right. You can answer to our children's workers then. All right. Um, man, there's so many of these. There's so many good ones too. I'll end with this one. I'll end with this one. What do you do? This one comes from NDD2397. All right, NDD2397. Ask this question. What do you do in heaven? It's a good question. What do you do in heaven? Well, let's answer by saying this. What do we not do in heaven? Okay? What do we not do in heaven? Number one, primarily, we don't sin. Scripture talks about this. It talks about the fact that when we go to heaven, that we will have a new mind but we will completely have a new mind like the mind of Christ. Christ, at this point in state, not even capable of sinning. It talks about having um, spiritual bodies. Now, before you start thinking about flying around everywhere and you know, having a six-pack finally, right? Um, there's no scriptural basis for that. We are all hoping, but that's, there's no scriptural basis for that. Now, what we will be doing, honestly, Scripture actually talks about in heaven there will be jobs. It will work. It will do things. You're like, wait. That doesn't sound like heaven at all. <laughs> Actually, that sounds like the other place. Right? Now, there's things that we do. There's, there's, there's fulfillment that we get. Scripture talks about in heaven that we will not be given in marriage, like the angels. We will not be given in marriage. won't be married. Um, really, the whole concept is, the whole idea revolves around this fact that we will be worshiping God. And you're kind of like, wait, okay. I get that in theory, but that's kind of strange. No, no, it's not. Because if you've ever been in the presence of God, you hate to leave it. If you've ever been truly in the presence of God, you've ever been in a moment where maybe you're alone reading Scripture and you sense God's presence, and you're like, I don't want this to go away. Have you ever been in a worship experience where you're lifting up your hands singing, and you feel God's presence, and you're just like... I don't want this to ever leave. Imagine that for eternity. Seeing God, seeing Jesus, interacting with him, seeing loved ones who have passed away, celebrating. And one thing it talks about, Scripture, it talks about heaven, that there's a lot of food, right? And it doesn't say anything about Jenny Craig. So it's not Jenny Craig food, okay? It's not Nutrisystem food. It's real food, Right? It talks about the tree of life that we will eat from. It talks about seas that will be there. It talks about the throne room of God and angels surrounding it and, and lightning and thunder and, 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 and people falling around the throne of God, throwing down their crowns and, and singing and worshiping God and glorifying all of creation. That's what heaven's going to be like. That's just a Monday in heaven. That's just, that's just the way it is. To be honest with you, we can't even begin to describe heaven. We can't. All we can know is that it took God six days to make earth, and he's still creating heaven to this day. Thank you for listening to this message from our series, The War Room, A Covenant Church. We hope you've been impacted by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us where you can invest in life change through giving or find more impactful sermon audio just like this.